Welcome to Houndsy, the Steel Army Podcast. I'm Dan Yost, and with me today to uh, to review a really exciting, shall we say, match up in Fraudford, Connecticut. I got not one, not two, not three, but four whole friends with me in the uh, the virtual podcasting studio. That's more friends than LeBron James had championships in Miami. Lean off the introductions. My man, Vesti. What's up, pal? Hey, not much. Um, I am currently sitting here with the podcast mic in one hand and a fly swatter in the other. So if you hear a yelp, the hunt was successful. Nice. I'm assuming you're hunting flies. I am a master hunter in this house with flies. And my wife is in the other room rolling her eyes right now. Have you ever considered one of those electronic ones that kind of zap them when you when you get them like they look like a tennis racket? Uh, I mean, it doesn't come up often enough, um, and you know, where's the where's the fun in that? You gotta go traditional with just the the classic crappy fly swatter that bends a little too much when you whack it too hard. No, 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 no. Uh, at at the the family reunions I always went to, the place we had it at had one of those uh, zapper fly swatters in. It was the most entertaining thing of the entire weekend, by far. <laughs> of so, hitting flies or hitting each other? The flies. <laughs> I mean, that little like that little like like popping sound they made was sweet. Just something well, to consider. I'm sure, it's on Amazon. I'll uh, yeah, I'll I'll, uh, I'll look into it. Sweet. Also with us, we got the yak in the in the house. Yak, what's good, man? I listened to a live album of music during work today, and the lead singer burped into the mic during a guitar solo. Is that over the line into being a dick, or is that good chaotic energy? That's being a dick. What band? It was uh, Metallica in, like, 91 or something. Oh, it's definitely being a dick. Yeah. Yeah, that's not respectful to your to your band. That's your, uh, your fam. It's your work fam. You can't be doing that. Why? What do you think? Uh, came out of nowhere, and I was mostly negative about it. So I wanted to hear some thoughts. Yeah. No, I... Uh... Yeah, I'm not a fan of that. Uh, Storino's here as well. Storino, what are your thoughts on burping into the mic over top of a, over top of a bandmate? I think that's... Uh... Just downright rude. It is. It really is. Let the man have his moment. For sure. Starina, you just got back from uh seemed like a pretty lengthy and uh in depth vacation. How'd that go? Yeah, I did my sign off saying that I was gonna be gone for a bit a week early because I got screwed up. So I probably could have been on the episode before I went on vacation. And then I was gone for the game before Hartford, so I really didn't want to be on a pod where I didn't watch the game. But uh yeah, it's been a bit. It's been a bit. What did you? See? What was? What was the most beautiful sight you saw? Well, so we we timed it to where we got to Yosemite about a day or two after the fire started, and we left right before the fires in Yosemite started. Um, so we timed it pretty damn perfect, almost, because you were able to see half them. You were able to see El Cap. Um, pretty clear towards the end of our trip where most of the smoke blew out. 
Um, unfortunately, we had to change plans around. We planned on actually full-blown backpacking from Tuolumne Meadows down to Yosemite Valley. Um, but given the amount of smoke, um, a ton of rangers told us that they did not advise us to do that because the air quality was terrible. Heavy packs and heavy breathing with all that smoke just would not have been a good, you know, mixture. So had to change up the plans a bit, but, uh, in the end of it all worked out. Um, I mean, it's, it's just absolutely beautiful out there. Whenever the smoke did clear and you're able to see it's, there's, there's nothing like that around here. It's something everybody should go see once in their life. Okay. So you, you beat me to the next question, which is that, uh, this is a, this is a must do trip. Oh, absolutely. Okay. I mean, we do, we do the national parks as our vacation, as opposed to beaches generally. Um, we're not really beach people, so beaches suck. I wouldn't say that either one of us really just enjoy it. I mean, (laughs) I like after two days, I'm just kind of sick of sitting in the sand, looking at the water. Like I don't, not enjoy it but i'd rather be doing something so nice yeah it's a definitely a must see okay I'll, I'll i'll uh i'll keep that in mind i will consult you it's a trip i've wanted to take i'll consult you on I advice going highly forward. suggest it yeah for sure we spent essentially a whole week there i mean we've done other trips where we spent a week going to two or three different parks um yosemite is just so big and beautiful we spent you know the whole trip in total was 10 days and you know eight of those days were Yosemite. Nice. So, uh, and then fourth, but sorry, not the least favorite. Well, maybe depending on who you are and how you rank us. Uh, the man who used to hold the money for the Stu army and then he got promotion to vice president Logan. What's good, dude. I still haven't found out how I took it all. Uh, big and beautiful. That's how I would describe myself on most occasions. Uh, I'm, ha- I'm hanging in there. Uh, I uh, am trying sobriety uh, during the week. Um, we talked about it a little bit before we went live tonight. Um, but unfortunately, my first week had a hiccup, um, had a haircut scheduled for Saturday morning. Uh, told myself I was allowed to drink Friday night. Drank like 17 summer shandies and took a weed gummy. Got super fucked up. Uh, woke up Saturday, missed my haircut. Uh, this is all leading up to I had to get my haircut at a super cut. No, sports clips last night. Uh, and they're supposed to show sports per their website. They showed Shark Week, and it was this just like heinous ass documentary with Gordon Ramsay, and they were just like finning sharks. And the shit was a total vibe killer. Great haircut, though. Michelle, man, she knocked it out of the park on that haircut for you. <laughs> the fade was tight. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, I don't even know where to go with that, except what's your thoughts on, on band members burping top of each other during solos? I don't know, man. I don't have an opinion on that. Really? That's shocking. Can I just? Yeah, no opinion. No opinion. Fair enough. Also, you said since you were going to be sober, you were going to say uh, outrageous things, and you broke that within the first thirty seconds of you talking on here. So that was just a recap. Of, I mean, that that wasn't even outrageous to me. That was just a recap of like the last like seventy-two hours of my life. All right, fair enough. <laughs> we're uh, seven and a half minutes in. Should we talk about the hounds? I'll take your silence as a yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. Vesti, you're still on this podcast, too, aren't you? Uh, uh, rumored is. Yeah. So the big news of last week, which came out after we were after we published the podcast, but before, or, um, before we published, uh, but after we recorded, 
So we all had uh, guesses that were incorrect. That the big news turned out to be that Robbie Mertz is back in some black and gold hoops. He was transferred from Hotlanta too. Uh, release did not say the length of his contract now with the Hounds, so everyone is free to guess, and Shoes' spreadsheet will be incomplete. Um, he had glowing things to say about coming back to Pittsburgh. Of course, um, Bob had glowing things to say about Robbie, as you can imagine. For those of you new to the Hounds since the pandemic, uh, Robbie signed with the Hounds as a rookie in 2019, played 2019 and 2020 with the Hounds. Uh, signed to Hotlanta uh, as a free agent in 2021. Played last season there and then up until a week ago was with uh, Hotlanta uh, as their captain. And it sounds like reading between the lines that Robbie's chance of progressing to the first team didn't was not going to happen. And so it takes a transfer back to Pittsburgh. Uh, Storino, we'll start with you. What uh, what was your first thoughts when you when the when the Mertz news dropped? Um, I mean, realistically, um, it's from your face. I guess that factor is kind of cool. But uh, outside of that, I mean, personally, I didn't see the need for bringing Robbie back. Um, I mean, in my eyes, Canardo and Danny Griffin um, start over Robbie almost any day. So, I mean, you brought in a guy that's basically going to be the third best midfielder on the team. And in my opinion, we're lacking a little more still in defense. Um I think a defender would have been the move if we were bringing anybody in at this point in the season. Uh, yeah. You, you know, know, take the, the Robbie name out of it. I yeah, mean, yeah. Just strictly as a position, I think a defender was the was the move we should have made, personally. But that's not to say that they can't also make a move for a defender at some point as well. I mean, one does oh, not I preclude agree. the other. No doubt, no doubt. Uh, Yak, what, were your, what was your first thought? My very initial reaction was, wow, we're going to get this guy back, and that's a... That's a great addition. He's a he's a great player. This this is a very positive transfer in. But then I thought, where where are we going to put him? Where is he going to squeeze into this lineup? Because midfield is probably our best position. It's very congested there. There's a lot of very good players fighting for fewer and fewer minutes now. Where is Robbie Mertz going to play? And we saw him get a half this past week. But what's going to happen moving forward? Festy, you have the same concerns. Uh... Too many, too many cooks in a in a midfield kitchen. Uh, so we talked about this a little bit on Discord right after the announcement, and the the names I threw out that I don't think are any better than Robbie was Yabara, Biasi, and uh, Kelly Rosales. And you know, not to jump too far ahead, but lo and behold, Mertz comes in for Biasi, and uh, I I feel like that's just kind of playing out how I thought um, I on Mertz in general a little bummed he didn't make it in, in Atlanta um, you know you always want your, the guys that lead the team for, for those opportunities to do well I'm kind of I don't I don't have an answer but I'm kind of curious generally speaking with two teams how well people who come into that system like Robbie who was not part of their academy do like if, if those teams usually um, if, if academy players and those teams favor better uh, at making it all the way up. Um, but it's uh, 
it's 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 funny that that apparently Lily is the the mob boss at USL. You you play for him one time and you can try to get away, but he always brings you back. Yeah, and that part's interesting to me because he was he was on a one year contract with with Atlanta for for last year twenty one, and then resigned with them this year, which would lead or at least lead me to think that that he was being given signs that he would have a, a look at the first team and then considering the transfer at the, about this time of year says that either they're at the least Atlanta's plans change and he was no longer in it so that he, then he wanted to get the get the hell out of playing at Kennesaw State uh, Stadium or where the hell that place is um We've kind of already touched on this, and I'll I'll send this to, to Logan to start. There are two separate questions here. How do you think he fits into the this current year version of the Hounds? And if he is getting a decent amount of minutes, who uh, who's losing the minutes? Who's the big loser on the squad with Robbie Mertz coming in? The big loser on the squad, I think it's the combination of uh, the three players that, that Vessi mentioned, Ibarra, Biasi, and uh, Kelly Rosales. Uh, they, you know, when I started following the Hounds in 2018, 19, up into 20, Bob played that, that five, you know, was it five, three, two, five, three, one, one, however you want to look at it. Um, or you could say, you know, three, four, you know, when those wingbacks push up, um, he's kind of shifted that a little bit, you know, in the past year, this year, he's gone with a couple of different formations and kind of moved those midfielders around and played, you know, played a little bit of a different formation. So. I think that there is not one specific player who's going to lose out. Um, I think it's it's the amount of opportunities are now just dwindling for those uh, those guys that that kind of sit, you know, uh, at the back of the eighteen. Um, you know, those guys who maybe were looking up, you know, I'm going to make an eleven, things like that, are now, you know, <laughs> I'm just happy to get in the game at some point. Um, so that was the, that's the answer to your second question. What was your first question? Where does he fit in the, the, the current hounds? Yeah. Um, I think Robbie's just, I think he's a game changer. I think we saw that on, on Saturday, um, relatively flat half, uh, didn't really challenge a really bad Hartford team. Um, and he comes on, he gets beat by, by Connor McGlynn on that little cut move, um, comes back. Uh, he had a, I think both goals were, were him, um, uh, you know, two, you know, on the Cicerone goal, beautiful, beautiful center ball. Um, and I think he was part of the build up play for the week goal as well. So, uh, you know, he, he changes games. I think it was Yak set the, the one dude that does the, like, however he ranks the best players in the USL. Um, Robbie was like, what, Yak 10th, something like that in the league? Top 10. Uh, he was somewhere really high. Yeah. Yeah. So he's just one of those guys you can plug and play him. Um, you know, naturally athletic. Uh, you know, the thing that I like about Robbie is, uh, when he first got drafted by Colorado, the, the tweet announcement said, you know, he's a box-to-box midfielder, um, which I really enjoyed that that description. And, and I think he, he fills that. That's a great way to describe him. So I think he, he can play, you know, he's a, a great addition to the roster. And, you know, I think he, he fits as kind of that, that last piece of the puzzle. We've been at every week where, you know, one of the goals coming, one of the goals coming, we see, see you know, little glimmers of it here and there. Uh, I think he's, he's the piece of, of, you know, putting the ball back in it. Serena, you you sound like you're you're a bit actually a bit I'd say a lot more negative on on Robbie than than Logan is. What um, do you think? Do, one, do you think he's he's in here to get minutes? And if so, whose whose minutes is he taking? I think I kind of just agree with yeah 
uh, what he said. I mean, he's not necessarily taking a minutes away from one person. He's taking an opportunity away from three guys. Uh, interesting thing that Logan said, um, he used the word the peace. Are you referring to him as our Rob Scuderia this season? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> that was a question. Is that Serena's? Uh, it's in his contract for Hounds. He has to mention Rob Scuderi once a month. So I mean, right. we, we worked it into the the title of our previous episode. And if this, yeah, you know, we may have an answer. I mean, is that is that what you're saying? Is this guy going to be our Scuderi? Is that what it is? Hopefully, hopefully. No, I think he's more like a Trevor Daly. I think he's more like a good for the championship rock kind of thing. I don't know, Vesti. Right, right. Do we have a Scuderi here? Uh, you're really we're really testing my. Uh, my penguins knowledge to to, to fine i'll to throw yeah you take the question how about a uh justin schultz how about that <laughs> so you're saying no to scuderi Scuderi's good too okay if, especially if he is the piece uh, i will ask this to the group if he is our piece is he our long-term piece because since it wasn't stated in the announcement, I'm assuming we only picked him up for the rest of the season. I mean, but they did come priority yeah. signing. He's they here to stay. That's that's my opinion. He's here. This is Robbie. He's the Canardo Forbes. This is like seven, eight years of until Robbie does not want to play soccer anymore. I took that I announcement actually, as he yeah. he he is done with MLS unless he gets unless some of that that two team whatever you want to, what's it called MLS next picks up traction to some point where they're actually feeding guys at a steady rate. He goes to a different club. Um, but I see this move as 100%. Like I'm back in Pittsburgh. This is my job now. You know, I'm here until you know I I, I can't keep up anymore. Agreed. I was a little concerned that they didn't because it's it was a transfer, it wasn't a trade. And if it was a trade, you would just be picking up his contract from Atlanta, which was a one year deal. Transfer means a new a new deal was written and signed. But so, you would think if they were signing for multiple years, they they made a big deal about him coming home. I, that's why I read that press release multiple times. I think I, maybe I'm missing it. Um, so maybe they just signed him for the rest of the year, but I I was a little disappointed that they did not include the length of, of the deal. Because to me, save money for the pisser under the section somewhere. So but you yeah, save Robbie I, I, long I just, term now. I think there's Negotiate a lot. Later. To me, the, the difference in excitement is is significant between he's signed for the next five months and he signed for the next what 29 months or something like that or knowing bob he gave him for this year next year and then there'll be the option year for uh 2024 and the classic bob move but now the last part i want to get into with the robbie returning home is uh when he played here last year uh as a as a visiting player uh he caught some hell from from the steel army uh and by a little i mean he caught a lot of hell from the steel army uh in my opinion it, it's the hardest we've gone in on somebody maybe ever uh and now he's back uh with the good guys uh vesti any any what are your thoughts on on him coming back from that standpoint of he caught caught some shit. Um, I don't think he particularly took it well uh, in that game. He, I mean, uh, Vidiello was almost they had to drag him back over to uh, at the end of that game to for this kind of awkward recognition of one another. And uh, but now he's back, um, prepared for some awkwardness um, come Saturday. 
I feel like on social media, he was much more having fun with it. You know, maybe just in a moment of, they probably got beat bad that game. I don't remember what the score was. It, it didn't but, go well for them. Yeah. Four so, one. Yeah. So like, yeah, in the moment, I'm, I'm not like, I'm not going to hold it against him for not particularly enjoying getting razzed for 90 minutes. But, um, you know, it's just, it comes with the territory. I, I think everybody can all just kind of agree it was the, the the situation at the time and, you know, no hard feelings. What are you thinking, Logan? Bygones be bygones or, or we just, um, you know, it's just going to linger in the air? I don't think he'll ever publicly address it like, hey, you guys are dicks to me. Um, I think maybe it's it's something we laugh about at like a Christmas party two years from now. Um, and he came back this year already, so he's actually been back twice, and and he didn't catch as as tough. No, as, no, no. Uh, this year was a, m- year. a lot more muted for, than last year. Um, but I mean, I think it was you last year. I remember at the Atlanta game said, you know, if you're wearing the jersey, we love you, and if if you aren't, you know, we aren't. And I think Robbie understands the business more than anything, right? So especially at this league, with how quickly players change teams, so I think he totally understood. Um, like Vesty said, I think if there was any any look on his face that he wasn't enjoying it, I think it was more because you know he was just getting the absolute shit kicked out of him that game rather than <laughs> rather than he was he was getting ribbed at. Um, but I think that that you know if he was truly upset, I don't think he would have came back to Pittsburgh. Um, you know, I think Robbie Robbie's happy happy to be back and happy to uh, happy to be back in his hometown. Serena, same idea. Yeah, exactly what Logan said. Um, I don't think he would have came back if he took it that much to heart. Um, we definitely went in on him pretty hard. Um, and, yeah, I mean, if anything, yeah, I think he's just kind of going to move past it. One thing you didn't necessarily mention when you were saying, you know, for people that don't know, Robbie obviously is a hometown kid. I mean, he is from Pittsburgh. So, I mean, I think he understands the, I guess, passion Pittsburgh fans have for any given sports team. And, you know, even though this is, you know, Riverhound soccer, we're all very passionate about it. And I think our passion for Steelers, Penguins, Pirates carries over to the Hounds too. So for us to get on them pretty heavy, I think he kind of understands it and probably would have even expected it to some degree, maybe not as hard as we did go in. But at the end of the day, yeah, I don't think he would have came back had he took it that that much to heart. Um, and I also just took, piggyback from what Logan said before I think he's here long term I don't foresee Robbie Mertz in a you know Sacramento jersey in two years I think he plays in Pittsburgh till he's you know ready to hang him up yeah can you get the last word on all things Mertz um if I recall I think I was capo that first time back in 2021 and I remember thinking we're probably just gonna chant his his song before the game and that would have been it and I didn't have any ill will towards him and then the crowd kind of took over and decided we're not going to be that amicable. We're going to be pretty up in his face and rude about it, which was a choice. And I had I had fun with it, for sure. Um, so um, I don't think he's done with with MLS. I think he's going to be for, with Pittsburgh as long as he's with USL, with all the two teams leaving. But I don't think the door is shut on him moving up to a, a bigger league somewhere. But as long as he's in this uh, league, it's probably going to be with the Hounds. I would definitely say that, which is why I'm hoping he gets signed to like a Danny Griffin like deal, where it's like a one year thing, like like Griffin asked for to begin the year. 
Um, so that's my that's my two cents on both the reaction and how long I think he's going to be here. All right, beautiful. Uh, Robbie, as we alluded to, did play a, a pretty critical role in the Hounds. Big old come from behind two one victory over. Uh, I think everyone's agreeing that Frodford's the the, the cleaner sounding phrase of the two. Um, but yeah, two one over Frodford. Uh, starting lineup was Wait Williams Ordonez Wheat. Or, uh, yeah, Wheat, Dos Santos, Shabar Griffin, Biasi, Dixon, Forbes, and Dequa. Uh, Dan Kelly, most notably not in the 18, uh, with the Helms pointing out their first injury report that had names on it. Uh, Kelly was listed uh, as questionable. Uh, we'll just say lower body. And then Robbie Dambrot, uh, basically a sign of life that he was on the report, uh, getting his tonsils removed. So he is still apparently alive. Um, before we get into the game itself, a bit of rotation in this starting lineup. Uh, Yak, what were your first thoughts when you saw it? I'm happy for Ibarra that I'm glad that he got some playing time. I really like him, especially with Mertz coming back in. I think playing time would be hard for him to come by, but I think he does deserve it. Um, and the other rotation I noticed is kind of Biasi. I'm not the biggest fan of him. I, I hope he doesn't start too often, but, uh, 45 minutes here and there is never going to hurt anybody, I don't think, especially against a weaker team. I did notice we kind of we moved Dixon from either wing back to the front. He's definitely an attacker. And Forbes was also more or less playing as an attacker. Well, I, it, you're kind of leading to where I was going to take to at some point. If you looked at, at their average position on the, on the field this game, I mean, everyone was so far advanced than what you would normally see on a bot team that it – it was uh, pretty eye-opening of, of just how how attacking and how offensive mind uh, the game plan. To at least to me, it clearly was. Um, we're going to be aggressive, and we're going to be aggressive the entire time. Uh, Vesti, what uh, what uh, rattled around your brain when this eighteen came out? Well, initially, I didn't know that Kelly had an injury, uh, so seeing him left off of it. I thought was really curious because we've talked before about how he has kind of seen less play time as the year gone on and become more of a, a second half sub. So to see him completely dropped, uh, I thought was interesting. But you know, now that he, now that I know that he had an injury that maybe is a little less less exciting. Um, speaking of the injuries, it's nice to see the the proof of light that Drambot, uh you know, is alive. It's basically showing up on the injury report is kind of like holding up the newspaper, the date on it. Uh, so that was nice to see. I think he's probably the last, I, I, I don't have the spreadsheet of him, but he's gotta be the, the only guy not getting minutes since the beginning of the season at this point. Um, I mean, if you don't count, uh, Vosvik. Yeah. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> or, or, or Borso. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he has a good excuse at least. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, other than, so I guess for the guys who actually played, um, you know, seeing the rotation of Yubara and, and Biasi was interesting, but they ended up only uh, surviving the first dull half, so perhaps that wasn't the the spark that Lily thought it was going to be. Yeah, uh, it was a bit of a dull half, as best I could tell. Uh, Logan uh, taking... A look at that starting lineup and 
taking into account those 40, first 45 minutes, uh, what were your general thoughts? Uh, like I said earlier, kind of flat half. Uh, thought thought they rotated, like Yek said, you know, uh, Ibarra and, and Biasi getting some, some minutes. Um, but like he said, if for, you know, one half's not going to hurt. Here or there, uh, squandered some, some early chances. Um, I feel like the Hounds of, of past, and it's funny that I'm going to say this, I feel like the Hounds of past, they love to play the ball outside, kind of the hourglass. They love to play it from the outside to the inside, back to the outside, and then, then the in-swinger, you know, in uh, into the box. And that's where they had their bread and butter in, in, you know, 18, 19, 20. It feels like this year they love those little, like, slip passes right through the middle. Uh, you know, like Dane Kelly in New Mexico, they love forcing the ball straight down, down the, the gut of the field. Um, and then, you know, obviously they get the goal in the second half, you know, from – the bread and butter bouncing it to the outside and, and swinging one back in. So um, it's interesting. Um, I think that, that they could be more aggressive at times, um, especially with a, a, a bad Hartford side, um, you know, point, what point zero three expected goals all game. And they scored a goal. Um, yeah. Uh, first half is a, a little bit, a little bit, uh, a little bit slow. Strino, how did, uh, how this lineup in the first 45 minutes speak to you? Uh, given the matchup, I, I didn't see anything that was surprising other than, like uh, Vessi said, Kelly being out of the 18 originally, you know, initially surprised me, but I didn't know he had an injury. So um, seeing Jamali net was good just to see that that's obviously getting pretty consistent now. I just feel good every time I see his name on the, on the starting 11. But, yeah, outside of that, given the matchup, no real surprises. I was happy with it. Yeah, and uh, as we've kind of alluded to, it was a, a a quiet first 45 minutes, but one that was pretty firmly controlled in terms of, of attacking play and opportunity by the Hounds. So I at least I found it very surprising that Bob goes and makes two changes at halftime, and uh, Cicerone and Mertz coming in for your Barra and Biasi. Uh, again, they had they may have were two of the quieter players in that first 45 but the team itself was pretty well controlling action uh i'll just open up to the group was there anyone else else surprised that bob made those moves at halftime and didn't wait till like more traditional 60 to 70 you know 60th minute to 75th minute to start making those those plays and because uh, either he makes the changes when the team is either down a couple or up a couple early uh or, or he waits until, you know, an hour plus. So to him make two changes in the 45th minute for a game that the Hounds were, were controlling, though scoreless, I found very surprising. You I mentioned think, that you only saw him before when we're either down by a couple. And I, and I think it's just in general, Bob was pretty pissed at the lack of finishing. I, I don't think he values Hartford very highly in the fact that we had not really... Um, we hadn't forced the keeper to make a ton of tough saves. We hadn't put anything behind him yet. He's like, what the hell are we doing, guys? And just almost like pulling the goalie in the NHL. You, like, you just got to shake things up just to send a message across. Uh, Logan. The only, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go, Vesti. I was going to say, the only time I've ever seen Bob really sub guys at half or earlier than half is when he is pissed at them because they're not playing the way he wants them to play or they just didn't show up that game. So, like, I'm not necessarily surprised to see that at halftime because we just weren't doing anything. Um, 
but I think it's really telling about how Bob felt about how the guys were playing at the, at that point. Which is probably you know I. Now that you say that, I I agree with that assessment. I, um, in terms of Bob pulling guys at half as a, as message sending. Um, Storino, did you read it that way? Um, until Vessi said it, no. Um, but yeah, I mean, it makes perfect sense. Um, but I mean, obviously he made the right call putting in those two guys given the, uh, matchup for the first school. So yeah, um, I agree with Vessi. And then Logan, uh, it was, uh, I guess maybe now more obvious that it was uh, a bit of mesh ascending, but, uh, were you expecting those type of subs, uh, after the first half? I was expecting Robbie. I think every you know is a pretty good bet. Robbie was coming in at, at halftime, um, especially when he was was on the bench and made the eighteen. Uh, I thought uh, who's was the other sub Kiza? Is that he comes in? The, in the, uh, he comes in for Dequa in the sixty ninth minute. Who was the other halftime sub? Cicerone. Cicerone came in. Cicerone came in. Oh, uh, I didn't even notice that. Well, I thought he started the whole game. Uh, yeah, I. Uh, Maybe yeah, like what you guys said. Maybe like you know, I'll replace you, replace you with better guys. But um, I think the Robbie what the Robbie sub was was pretty plain, no matter how the first half went. Um, and maybe the Cicerone one was too, um, just to save his legs, give him a half a game. Uh, I think the most telling sub was was Mikel Williams came on in like stoppage time, something close to that. Or was it Peters? One of the one of the two Trinidadians. Peters. Peters. Yeah. Uh, I thought that trying to you know against a, a Hartford side with point zero two, uh, that was before the goal if I recall. Yep. Uh, uh, so it was that was an interesting sub. Um, granted, we didn't really have much from an attacking standpoint left on the bench, but I thought that was a, a very interesting sub. But hey, I mean maybe I'm talking out of my butt because maybe Jelani Peters is is an attacking force after that Miami game. So maybe Bob was was hoping he was gonna spark the, the offense a little bit get, but get the big the most surprising on the, uh, front, on the front of a, of a header or something yeah 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 true so the other the other debutante for the hounds was ed kiza as we just mentioned came on for Dequa in the 69th minute uh storino first impressions of of an eddie kiza i seem pretty plug and play i mean he seems to fit uh the bob style of play pretty well um i mean he wasn't he wasn't a shining star out there, but he wasn't not noticeable, if that makes any sense. He just kind of played his role. So I would say, yeah, he, he seemed to fit the system pretty well for his first match. Uh, Yak, you comfortable with uh, with Kiza coming into the lineup? Yeah. Um, my untrained eye kind of looked at him like um, he, he was very, I'm going straight to the goal until somebody stops me. Like I'm going to try to get it on goal until somebody gets in my way and then I will get rid of it. He's very uh, aggressive, like lunch pail, put his nose down and fight somebody, kind of like that. Uh, Logan, what were your um, what were your thoughts on twenty one minutes of an Ed Kiza? Uh, I'd like to I'd like to ever Kiza since twenty eighteen. Um, I went to the Pitt ACC championship first round uh, against NC State, and he scored the the game winner. They play Golden Goal. Um, in the playoffs so i've liked him ever since kind of that moment followed him up i think he sat out COVID year uh drafted to new england um followed him you know as much as i could you know with memphis uh thought he, he did well you know kind of reiterating what the, what the rest of the guys said uh has a lot of speed um would like to see him get more opportunities on net to see what his actual finishing ability 
what his shot looks like, things like that. Um, but it's telling that that Bob trusted him in that game. Um, obviously, I think that was kind of the consensus when we signed him was, you know, Bob has to have a plan for this guy because there's no reason to ever bring him on with the amount of forwards that we have and the, the firepower that we have uh, if you don't plan on playing him. Um, and the, the the funniest part about the, the keys are coming on was they mentioned about Bruce Arena pulling his loan in Memphis because he didn't think he was getting enough minutes. And then for like the next like 30 minutes, all I could think about is the Bob Lilly Bruce Arena phone call, um, which just like <laughs> blew my mind for like a couple of minutes, uh, how that phone call went. So that's all I could think about. Yeah. So Vesti, did did Bob Lilly do enough with, with Ed Keys in 20 min- 21 minutes to make Memphis look dumb for uh, for not using him? I, I mean, I thought that was you know about the time you would expect for the guy, a guy who just came to the team, um, you know, without seeing what he did in Memphis or at Revolution Two. I don't know if that's was like reflective of what he, what he does to, to to really say if you know we're we're seeing better than what he did at the other team. Um, I, my read on it was that he he came in for Dequa. I think it's kind of pretty like for like. Yeah, you know, I, we're not really skipping a beat there. So having uh, that option and not having, but basically, uh, again, as I view it, basically two guys that play pretty similarly. Uh, I think that that's good to have in the bag there. And if if Dequa needs you know a break and Giza starts, I, I don't think we're going to be worried about anything. And then, uh, not to skip over the the big part of the game. Because that'd be foolish of me. Shane Wheat joined the attack in the 92nd minute, 93rd minute, uh, and looking like he belongs. Takes a beautiful little assist from uh, King Kenny, where he kind of he throws the hips one way to get the defense going uh, to to Kenny's right, then just lays off to his left to an oncoming Shane Wheat, who just um, kind of slows up, takes a couple star steps, and then and puts one in the top corner. Uh, so I'll throw it up and I'll start with you, Yak. Shane Wheat is is. Do we know what we have with a Shane Wheat? Is it a? To me, it's a guy with moments of brilliance, generally good play, but then also very noticeably uh, horror show minutes. Uh, or is is he just kind of like the Hounds Enigma this year that um, everyone's gonna kick him ways down and then he'll just have some some moments of beauty. So what, what is your read on the Shane Wheat now after this week? He is so much more improved defensively than last year or whenever his first season was in Pittsburgh. And I also, I wanted him out and I was up and I was bummed that we had signed him again and I didn't know why, but I think he is one of our better defenders and he had gone up on the attack a couple of times this game. He just didn't get the chance. The ball didn't fall his way until the very last minute, but like he has a, He's getting more and more aggressive. He's finding his the knack where he can find the soft spot and, and try to create some kind of value on offense. So he, he's, he's definitely adding that to his game the last month or so. Um, I, I think the mistakes that we see from Wheat, he's not a perfect defender. No, no one on defense is as good as the defenders were back in like 2019 were for the Hounds. So it's, a, it's just a little bit shakier back there. But he's it's either him or Ordonez as the best defenders. Um, and they're both net positives for the team no matter what. So would you like to take this opportunity to apologize to Shane Wheat? I will take this opportunity to apologize to Shane Wheat. Yeah, my, my sincerest apologies. Welcome, welcome to the 
I'm glad you're on the team, buddy. There we go. Look at that. We're mending fences here. Started with uh, with Robbie. Now we're moving to Shane Wheat Apology Tour. Storino, what's what's your view on on Shane Wheat after two goals in two weeks? I don't think I was ever super harsh on Shane Wheat as much as some of the others have been. But you know that Thanos meme of him like balancing a, like something on his finger. That's Shane Wheat. He's either brilliant and you're like, holy shit, that was Shane Wheat, or you're like. Go figure that was Shane Wheat that let that go that ball go by and they scored on it. Um, I I would I would say yeah he's probably one of our better defenders. Um, definitely happy to have him, but I'm still just kind of up in the air. I wouldn't say he's a wow player. Like if he leaves this off season, I wouldn't be heartbroken. If he resigns, I'd be surprised. Um, I guess I I don't know. Shane to me is just kind of there there's always those couple players that are just kind of you know filling in the holes on the team and he's just kind of one of those guys on the roster in my opinion solid player but you know there's 50 other of them in the league i guess logan where uh where does shane weed fall uh in your in your heart does he i love him i like him i detest him where where is he at now to quote the ground grounds crew keepers from the movie Major League, uh, he's still shitty. Um, great, great play to push up on the overlap. Uh, you know, any professional soccer player should be able to hit that ball. You know, he give him give him that ball a hundred times. He maybe does that three or four times. Just you know, good moment of brilliance. Um, still incredibly shaky on defense. I think he is growing. Um, I agree with what, what a lot of Yak said. Um, showing you know huge strides, and I think that's why Lily kept him um, because he saw the uh, ability that he that he did have. I don't think he's fully there yet, um, but I just think his his defensive lapses still unfortunately outweigh um, some you know nice shiny moments on offense. Uh, and then uh, Vesti, we we pretty much heard the the entire gamut of of like to loathe on on Shane Wheat. Where on the spectrum are you at? Somewhere in the middle, I guess. Uh, after that goal, you just got a really I hot sat- take, and you're going to come up with somewhere in the middle. Well, let me let me let me talk for a minute okay. here. Maybe maybe I got one in me. Um, after that goal, I sat in my couch in stunned silence. You, if I was at the stadium, you probably would have thought I was a Hartford fan. That Shane fucking Weed was the guy who scored that goal at the end of the game to to give us the win. I just I couldn't believe that was the person who did it. You know all that firepower on our team, but with all the firepower on our team, we apparently keep fizzling out once we hit the eighteen. Like we don't know what to do. So if Wheat is the guy that is getting the confidence to start taking shots like that, and it, you know the spark to get some goals, then then cool. I'll eat, I'll eat the crow. You know for for saying he was shitty early in the year. Um, I, I, my main concern with him at the moment is if he's getting more involved in these attacks, I don't think he's a particularly fast dude. And I feel like there are some of the goals that we've given up in recent weeks were from him having to haul ass a hundred yards on either side. And then, you know, being tired once he gets back on defense and then making a lapse. And I just kind of worry about that opening up that side of the field to be 
exploited for fast counters if he's at the 18 taking shots on net. I would say you're not wrong with that assessment. That's why you do that in the 93rd minute. Um, <laughs> even though he's, he, I mean, made with not quite that much gusto, he joined the attack before. But yeah, that was that was pretty much selling out on offense to uh, to get the winner. Um, so final thoughts on this match against Hartford, uh, Storino, What um, what's rattling around in your brain for this match? Ultimately, it was a win on the road, so you love to see that. And I will say, I mean, I had to watch the replay quick uh, prior to getting on just to kind of refresh my memory. That shot from, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, whoever the Hartford player was that scored. That was a rocket Glenn? of a shot. McGlynn? Yeah. McGlynn. Yeah. I mean, that, that was that was an awesome that was an awesome goal. I mean, <laughs> I mean it as was... a Hartford fan, you got to look at that and be like, that was just fucking awesome so they had one shot for 0.03 worth of xg and that went in so that was a a three percent chance of scoring that goal and he he made his own so he uh, fucking crushed it yeah tip your cap (laughs) for sure it's up for it's up for goal of the week in the championship as well as uh shane wheat's goal yeah well i mean i know for the shane wheat one if you're going to if you're going to vote for those things (laughs) for sure yak final thoughts uh, I wanted to look up some stats because of how badly we uh, out-expected goals Hartford. Um, it was the most expect the most lopsided expected goals game uh, by an away side in the championship in the six years that the website that we track on Twitter uh, has been tracking that stat for the USL. What a um, what a fucking find on you there. Any any USLC game last six years that was the most lopsided guy, game. In favor of the away team. Beautiful, Festy. Final thoughts on the game. I really liked a lot of the build-up play that we did in the game. Um, there was a run, I think, around the thirtieth in the first half, probably the brightest spot in the first half, where we took the ball from. I think it started at, at wait, if if not, you know, one of the defenders right near him, and we did just pass at the pass. It was crisp. It was like two touch passing all the way up the field through the midfield down to the other end of, you know, making good runs. They, the, 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 the Hartford didn't come anywhere close to touching the ball. Like we were getting in the right space and everything. And then we just, we hit the 18 and we fizzled out and the ball kind of dribbles past the net. Um, so like, I feel like, and it's kind of been the running thing for when we hadn't run that skid and everything that we're we're doing really good in the midfield we're doing really good passing but we're still not finding or not really knowing how to finish well and like looking at these stats where we had 21 shots 15 within the box only six on target though and only two goals like we gotta get the conversion rate better um so happy we got the win still not particularly feeling great uh especially on the road Logan, final thoughts on Hartford, uh, not just for tonight, but for 2022, because they sure as hell ain't making the playoffs. <laughs> Suck them. <laughs> That's my final thoughts. There it is. Fuck him, he says. So I'll move on to that. Uh, the Hounds now back into uh, a good, positive run of, of form, uh, which is in contrast with the 
the six games winless they had before this this turnaround. And so I'll pose the question to you gentlemen uh, pretty simply. Uh, is that six-game skid firmly in the rear view and not to be concerned with anymore? Or does anything that happened during those six games still creep into your memory in thoughts that, that it could be uh, rearing its, its ugly head in the last third of the season? Uh, Logan, what um, have we moved on from those games or are they still they still in there? No, we moved on. Just a, it was a it was a, a rough patch. Um, you're gonna have that in a, you know whatever it is, 34 game season. So we moved on. Um, I think they finally found. I think Bob finally is done with that audition period that we've talked about so many times on the podcast. Um, he knows exactly what he has now. Knows obviously what he needed. You know, obviously needed a forward and a midfielder. Went out and got it. So um, I think the, the the funk they were in is over. Um, they're going to play. I think they'll play very good soccer down here in the, the next couple of months. Um, I think we're setting up pretty good for a 2019 run where we had a really fun September because the Hounds were playing incredibly well. And then every night we got to like scoreboard watch and just watch things fall our way. Um, I think we're, we're setting up for a very similar uh, year this year. Yeah, there's there's a lot of mill housing in 2019 that made for some good times. Can't wait to, to bust him back out once the, uh, the roster freeze comes. Uh, Yak, those six games skid firmly, firmly part of uh, part of history. I part of history. Excuse me. Uh, no, I don't think you'd be asking that if we if Shane Wheat did not score in the ninety fourth minute. Um, so I'm gonna say it's still lingering until we're better at putting teams away. I guess. Fair enough, uh, Storino. We have one yes and one, one no. What say you? I'm on uh, Team Yes, long behind us. Um, I mean, realistically, our last run of form is uh, four wins and a draw, and that draw was on the road against a pretty good team. But, you know, you're not going to see us lose two games in a row, a draw in two games in a row, stuff like that anymore. I think going forward, this team rides it out pretty consistently with at least like an every other game win type of thing or you know something to that effect. You're not going to see too many, you know, losses in a row or anything to that that effect. Kyle, you're going to make this a a three one, um, in that the six games are behind us. Or are you going to split it down two two and make me break the break the tie? What's that? You you asking me? No, I was asking Kyle. Oh, oh you didn't say my name, but no, I thought I, I did. Don't think you said you know. Email. I, so here's what I did. I um. I was reading your chat that said you were taking going to the bathroom and then you're done going to the bathroom. And I just was reading your name in the chat and I thought I was saying it. Oh, well, thanks for letting everybody know my uh, toilet habits behind the scenes. I didn't use the um, I didn't use the other language. <laughs> well, if I feel like there was one under my desk, uh, like we want one under the section. Under the section, Je- Jeff, if you're listening, piss her under the section, please. Um, I am. St- my concerns from that skid have not fully gone away, although I definitely feel better. Um, you know, four games on that skid were on the road, so most of them. And as I mentioned at the end of the last segment, you know, our conversion is real poopy. Uh, we, I, I think we're we're fine at home. We're we're lights out at home, but on the road, I think there's still a lot of questions. We're not playing the best. Um, 
you know, this game should have been put away. It shouldn't have required a last minute goal. So uh, I want to see some, some better results on the road. However, looking at our schedule, we don't really get a good test on the road till mid September. So I guess, you know, we'll see. So that's two yeses, two nos. I'm going to go, I want to say no as well. Cause I, This is the thing that, that everyone's given Detroit shit for, and I think it, it, to a lesser extent, applies to the Hounds as well. Outside of Memphis, the opening day of the season, who have the Hounds beaten that were that are real, like top five in the league type uh, type of sides? Um, got, you know, got our ass kicked by Tampa, home and away. Um, the Louisville game went poorly down there. We still get to play them here at Highmark. Uh, it's, I think there's a real question of who of you had actually beaten. Um, and we caught Memphis opening week, and uh, they they played poorly, got a red card, and the Hounds took advantage of some opportunities. Uh, but, yeah, I think I'm not going to be really comfortable until I see that the signature win has not happened yet, and I think they're going to need to have it somewhere. Um, and again, a stoppage time winner from from a center back is nice, but I think who the opponent is is going to matter for that signature win, and it's not it, Hartford doesn't count. I, I don't want to keep harping on road games. Um, I'm sounding like a broken record, but I mean, I don't jumping ahead maybe ahead to to our schedule a bit here, but like looking at the table. The top of the East is starting to pull away. There's still a lot of games left, but they are, they are definitely starting to pull away. So we are, you know, looking. We're kind of fighting for the last home playoff games. But if we make a deep playoff run, we are going to have to go on the road, and play one of these top teams. And so, I want to see a good result on the road, a convincing result on the road, to feel confident about the playoffs. I mean, I agreed. I it, it's I think it's gonna be hard to. Again, the the Hounds, you know, let's say they they win their first, um, let's say they're the four, and they win that that first game at home against, I don't know, Miami or something like that. Uh, they're going, you know, that puts them squarely in going to going to Louisville week two, um, and yeah, I think right now you wouldn't feel great about it, but. They've got, you know, what, 15 weeks or so to figure it out? Something like that? So we'll see. Uh, the other thing I want to get into now that we're kind of, uh, we got past the the USL summer meetings, and regrettably there was no real news leaks about what happened at those meetings. Uh, uh, the Athletic, I guess, has just uh, stopped giving a shit about the USL. I may have to stop giving a shit about renewing my subscription to them, but albeit... Uh, USL President Jake Edwards did have a, a quick little interview with uh, Backheeled. If you've not uh, gone to this website yet, I believe it's just backheeled.com. Uh, doing a great job of discussing American soccer pretty much at all, all the levels from uh, MLS down through the, uh, the lower leagues and also uh, the NWSL. So it's, they're fairly new, but it's definitely worth a, a visit. Uh, to see what they're putting out there because it's some pretty good stuff. But there was a uh, an interview with Jake Edwards that I believe was just 
either done right before or during the the summer meetings last week, or maybe it was just after. Um, not that it matters that much, but I've pulled out some kind of the more uh, exciting or interesting parts to us as Hounds fans. I'll run through them here and get everyone's thoughts on uh, on what we have here. Um, what stood out to me was they were talking about, again, expansion of both the championship and League One. And Edwards kind of gave his mid-30s to upper-30s type of prediction on where they capped the, the championship at. And then said that they're like and would stay with the two-conference format. Uh, for a long time there, there was chatter that they might go with like a an east-west-central uh, alignment. And that appears to be dead in the water. So uh, basically the teams that we're used to playing are going to be the teams we're going to keep playing, even in the in the flyover states like a, like a Tulsa that we're going to play this week. But that was, to the best of my knowledge, the first time they've they've said that it's they're not going to go beyond two conferences. Um, the US, the league's USL rights deal with ESPN expires after the season. Uh, negotiations are ongoing for the next contract. As I read it between the lines in the, the quotes, uh, it sounds like they want to stay with ESPN um, as their preferred partner. Again, that ESPN Plus streaming uh, setup is pretty sweet, uh, but they are definitely looking for more games on traditional linear cable, ESPN, ESPN2, Deportes, and all that good stuff. Uh, of course, as every con- or every interview with uh, Jake Edwards happens, Pro Rail comes up. Uh, he sticks to all the the talking points. If you ever read or heard a Jake Edwards interview where Pro Rail comes up, you can almost do the you know the check you know check off the lines that he's going to use because he says them every interview. Uh, but he does clarify and kind of double down on anything that they do. They want in place by the U.S. World Cup in 2026. So if we're going to go off of that, we're looking at a timeline of three to four years. Either they implement it in 2025 or uh, the year of the World Cup in 2026. Uh, and then he also brings it back around to that interleague play, uh, kind of like a League's Cup between the championship and League One sides. And that was something that came up pre-pandemic. But then, you know, the phrase league or league's cup has not been uttered since by anyone connected to the league as best as I could remember or see. So it looks like that is not dead as I as I previously, previously thought, uh, which is something I'm really excited about having um, kind of the, uh, you know, basically just a league cup between, between the two pro leagues in USL. Uh, and then most of the interview was actually focused on USL player transfers to Europe and MLS and how that's changing the perception and the trajectory of the league, which is a generally interesting aspect, uh, something that the Hounds have not really dabbled in so far. But again, I would encourage everyone to go on Backfield and, and read that full interview. It, uh, it is pretty good. But guys, going through that, that interview, kind of pulling out some select quotes from, from Edwards, uh, anything that stuck out in your mind is something notable that he said or did, made did not say. Um, Yak, we'll start with you. Uh, this is probably a pretty good read-up for somebody who might not know the inner workings of what the hell goes on uh, in American soccer below MLS, but it's not a ton new. Like he didn't like somebody who really wants 
pro rel happen for the USL, like myself, this isn't like this. This is the same stuff that he panders all the time, and it doesn't look any more imminent. It's just whatever the words that he. It's it's the same words he says at whenever he gets interviewed by somebody. Um, I guess the biggest deal is that it kind of does look like they're sticking with ESPN. I love the ESPN Plus deal. It's super convenient for me, and it gives them opportunities to be on big boy ESPN and ESPN two pretty frequently, which is nice. So I like that. Um, aside from that, there, there's not a lot I'm taking from this interview. I kind of read it and it was like, fine, whatever. Um, I actually don't particularly like or care for the league cup that much. I'm not that excited for it because I think the open cup just kind of does that on its own. And I'm fine by that. Starino, what uh, what stood out from from this interview, or um, or maybe even more specifically, what I'm a big proponent of a league cup, yak less so. What um, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, well, real quick, I got a text message from Logan. My phone's about to die. That was about yeah. Four he or just five said uh, we, we just lost. Yeah, we saw it. yeah, we lost a Logan. Yeah. Uh, a Logan. So. Yeah, I just got a text. If if I uh, blank out, that's because my phone died. Yeah, pour one but, out. Uh, <laughs> it was it was a good first hour from Logan, but we move on. Yeah, we we move on. Um, I mean, realistically, for all the things you said, as long as like you know they stick with one of the major streaming services, I'll be happy. If they end up with like you know AMC Plus, and I got to buy another streaming service, uh, choices will have to be made, and I'll have to probably drop a subscription somewhere because I got so many subscription services. So. But uh, ESPN Plus is probably the best one for them to stick with. Um, just like Yak said, or chances for ESPN, ESPN2 games, that kind of stuff. Um, I just, I would like to see, you know, League One get a couple more teams in it to feel more confident that Pro Row is going to happen. Um, these couple more teams that are rumored to be joining in the next two years. I believe are all championship teams. So, I mean, I think league one needs to fill out just a little bit more before I feel confident with, you know, the lip service of pro rel. And then Vesti, you've been, you've been following this league uh, as long, if not longer than anyone on this call right now. What, um, what spoke to you from, from the lips of Jake Edwards? Uh, I agree with the act. It was pretty empty of an article. I mean, I guess it's good if you, if you're not really, that deep into it like we are but for somebody who's been following the league for a while and, and reads these kind of interviews every year it's, it's the same talking points every time like he knows somebody every time he gets interviewed he knows somebody's gonna ask about pro rail and he pulls out the same answer so at this point i'm just ignoring all of it unless there's some something concrete happens um i think what was the more interesting thing was he talked about where he saw how many teams should be in the championship um, kind of before that, I guess they stopped. And he was talking about going back up to 34 to 36 teams where we were a few years ago. Um, and this year we have currently have 27 in the championship. We're losing four to the two teams. We're gaining, theoretically, we're gaining Greensboro next year, although... They keep delaying that and what's Queens, the chatter for Queensboro uh, debut 3.0. Yeah, and then with some of the chatter of um, that just came out today about 
NYCFC getting a Queens stadium. I wonder how long Queensboro uh, lasts if they're both playing in, in the same yard. Um, I feel like they maybe missed a boat there. But anywho, um, so you know we're talking about potentially adding ten teams to get up back up to thirty four, thirty six, and I think it's just really interesting where those markets are going to be, especially now that MLS Next Pro is competing. Um, you know, not theoretically they're competing with League One more than Championship, but it's still they could probably poach some Championship uh, places as well. So I think that's interesting. Uh, you know, just kind of from expansion news stuff. And I'm with you, Yost, that I would like to see interleague play, but more of more is like a preseason or first game of the year or, I mean, hell, this summer showcase thing they're trying to do, that seems like it might be a good idea to have a, a midseason friendly between League One and, and championship team. No, no, no. Please, no, no faux all-star game. Well, I mean, I guess... It, well, what the fuck this showcase is supposed to be? They wanted the all-star game for Louisville versus Phoenix, but Phoenix sucks ass this year. But it was an actual uh, game. It wasn't a. It wasn't a an exhibition. I but I, you you call it a showcase. It doesn't sound like a league game to me. It sounds like you're trying to you're trying to showcase the USL and and sell it to the broader audience. So fucking turn into an all-star game, I guess. Um, that, that makes that makes the most sense to me. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, like a, a one-off, you know, champion or cup game or whatever. MLS has like, was it like, I don't even know if they still have it because they change it all the damn time. That the champions or whatever between league MXE champion and MLS champion, you know, the same sort of stuff could happen down here, and it's probably easier since it's all under the same umbrella. So, um, so yeah, like like I said, generally the article is just kind of like whatever. There's just little bits here and there that I think I find are interesting, but it's still nothing really concrete. I mean, they're looking for for ten more teams in the championship, and you got Baltimore, Buffalo, and Cleveland right there. That's you're down to seven. You need just saying. Can I ask you guys what you guys think? How uh, many teams you want to be in the league? Uh, I to me in an ideal world. I to me you I would go 38. Ooh. No, but here's I, I think people won't like where I take this. But if you go 38, that gives you two conferences of 19. Mm-hmm. That gives you 18 opponents. That gives you a 36 game schedule. Completely balanced, but there's no there's no cross conference play. I liked the appeal back when we were more than 30 teams and it was basically you only played your conference and it was a perfectly balanced schedule. I really liked that. The, it was the, the 2019 when the Hounds won the East. Exactly. And it made the winning the conference so much more legit because it wasn't subjective to scheduling quirks. Everybody played the same schedule. But it also siloed us completely from the West and it might as well have been a whole different league over there because we know what was going on. So we didn't care about watching it because the only time we were going to play anybody was making the final. I'm okay with that. I don't think I'm a, I am anymore. Um, the the more stable the league gets, the the less I'm concerned with travel costs. And I think I'd rather stick it to like I think 24 might be my favorite number, 24 or or 28. See, I I would I would I would wait a balanced schedule above 
the novelty of seeing a West team. I think there was something more to cherish about winning a you know winning an Eastern or West when you're not when it is when it is a fair um, you know with competitive there is sporting integrity with a balanced schedule that comes with playing uh, a, th- a 36 game all in one conference schedule. And I would favor that over um, even someone. Again, I wanted to go see that game in Vegas for years, and I finally got to do it. Uh, but I would still favor the balance schedule over uh, the novelty of a West game. The the purist in me wants the balance schedule. I, I really like 2019, and I hate saying it, but that's how the leagues do it in, in, around the world. But I do understand the appeal of playing out West and, and the, the criticism of basically being two separate leagues. Um, so if I mean, he said he wants 34, I mean, if you get that many, I feel like you have to do effectively their own conferences and no overlap. But if it ends up falling lower than that, because they just can't find the markets, I almost, and I also hate saying this as well, I kind of would want an NFL style thing where it's like two conferences, but then divisions within it. And then like division a plays division a in the Western conference this year, the next year they flip and kind of try to balance it that way. And have kind of like a a set schedule of interconference play instead of just being a random smattering of teams every year. This is the worst take you've ever had on the show, man. Great. Love it. (laughs) That's, that was horrific. Americanized uh, soccer, baby. Uh, Jake, if you or somehow or someone from the league is is actually listening to this podcast, seventy minutes into it, actually sixty nine minutes into it. Um, nice, thank nice. you. Glad you're all there for me. Uh, Jake, Love if you're it. listening to this or someone's listening to it, come on here, do an interview. We will not ask you about pro rel, but we will grill you to death about schedule alignment. Fair. Uh, you know how to get hold of us. We'll give you the email address at the end of the show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, it's Open Cup semifinal time. That is. Yay. Yeah, I know the Gax pump, so we'll let him lead this little this little four way down the uh, the Open Cup road. Uh, it is games are going on. If you are catching this basically as we publish it, uh, you might be watching one of the two Open Cup games now. If not, you maybe watched it last night. Uh, because this is a Wednesday release. Uh, the game I would imagine we're all more interested in is Kansas City at Sacramento. Uh, Yak, we'll start with you. Uh, are you watching this game? Uh, why are you or why are you not? And then does Danny Vidiello probably starting for Sacramento make this game more appealing to you? Um, not only am I watching this game tomorrow, Wednesday night, um, I will probably go out for it. I might go go up to uh, the old Bulldog Pub and make them put it on for me. Um, I'm watching because I want to see somebody break the system and, and beat the, the big teams that have, compared to us, endless amounts of money. Um, it's not so much rooting for the league necessarily. Like, uh, like go USL Championship. No, it's not quite like that. It's, it's, it's the underdog that I... I also follow in March for, for college basketball and the, the, the craziness that is March Madness and watching teams with a fraction of the pull and the budget and, and the fans uh, support 
beat down like Kentucky and Duke and North Carolina and stuff in March. It's it's what I'm getting from that. Um, and I'd be doing that regardless of any Hounds connections there are. However, watching Danny Video kick ass and come up with timely saves for Sacramento, he's been a big reason why they've made it as far as they have. Um, is uh, is a bit of the cherry on top, I'd say, because I do like to see former Hounds do well, just not against us. But yeah, they can totally go kick MLS teams' ass, and I will cheer for them as it happens. Serena, you still got the up and cup bug that in through the round of uh, four. Uh, it's kind of fell off for me for a little bit. Am I going to watch? Uh, I mean, the first game I probably will, given the time. Am I going to stay up to watch Sacramento? Uh, I'm struggling to stay awake, and it's 10:14 right now, and that game starts tomorrow at 10:30. I don't see me two days in a row staying up that late. I usually go to bed pretty early, so I will try. I will fall asleep probably watching that game. Um, but you know, Red Bulls Orlando is probably the game tomorrow that I'm actually going to watch. Watch. I can't foresee me staying up for mo- most of the Sacramento game, to be honest. And then Kyle, you uh, usually stay up later than than most of us do. Uh, interested in Sacramento, Kansas City, and are the books giving Sacramento too much credit? Hell yeah, I'm interested in it. Uh, yeah, like, like yeah, I could love the underdog, and I am going to come from this from rooting for the league. You know, I get some, some goddamn respect for the USL around here, uh, you know, especially with the revised CCL entry stuff that happens next year where they basically cede the U.S. Open Cup slot to MLS if, if they can't figure out tiebreakers and, and just kind of like, you know, I, I want to see more USL teams make deep runs and just fucking make it. Uh, so I'm watching, yeah, I'll probably stay up way too late and watch that, hoping for good results. I was shocked when I saw the lines that it was basically even between Sacramento and, and San Jose. Oh, no, it's Kansas City. Kansas City, no. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, in the past rounds, they were really the the bookies were really were really low on USL sides. So I don't know if this is like just the fact that those four left, so they're giving them a lot of credit. If Kansas City uh, sucks, I, I haven't been paying attention to them this year. But um, if you're betting, I feel like there's no, not not much uh, edge to this. So I'm just going with my heart and hoping Sacramento does us proud. So you're going full USL honk on the on tomorrow night. Heck yeah! All right. I'm a you know I've been a Republic fan all my life. <laughs> Since they released that sweet ass promotional video that every team in the league was jealous about. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, any of you guys think Sacramento can actually do the damn thing? I do now, yeah. I would say yes. I remember interacting with that U.S. Open Cup account back in March or April when the Hounds were still in it or when the amateur teams were playing, and I was being such a Debbie Downer and be like, oh, this is – I love watching the first round when MLS is in it, and then all the lower teams will be out by the round of 16, just like they are every year, and I am very, very wrong. Yeah, I think more often than not, USL team makes. I mean, maybe not a semifinal run, but you get your you get your cup sets every year. 
with how deep USL teams went this year, I think there's a very good chance that they're going to make it to the final. I don't know if they'll get past that, but uh, I'd, I'd be happy just to have them in the final. I mean, it if you got, Sac- I mean, it won't be Sacramento because of how the draw worked out. That Sacramento yeah. would definitely not yeah. lose the final. But holy shit, would that be huge if a USL team um, had a Cup final? Be massive. Uh, I will hopefully. I'm on. I'm. You'll probably get me through the first half, but my alarm goes off early, and I don't. I don't see me making it to 11:30 to watch the second half, and then I'll regret it when I uh, I see the score. Thursday morning. But uh, how about the Hounds? They got a game this Saturday at home. That's kind of sweet, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, well. Hounds are playing Tulsa, if you, you heard. Uh, they're no longer the Roughnecks, even though that's a much better name than Tulsa FC. Uh, in the first meeting this year, the Hounds won in Oklahoma 4-3. That was at that wacky ass game where the hounds gave up two goals in the 85th minute and beyond to to make it a uh, bit of a squeaky bum time there at the end it's where dan kelly and al dequa both had braces good times that's kind of the, the maybe dan kelly handing off the 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 talisman uh baton to to dequa at that point but albeit uh Tulsa is coming off a win at birmingham last weekend two nil uh that's where Ryan James got sent off for Birmingham, and that red card has already been rescinded, so maybe they got a little... there. I mean, it was one nothing for Tulsa when that happened, but um, that may have kind of killed Birmingham's chances at a at a comeback. Uh, they are 2-2-1. Two, two they're past five, but they still sit in eighth place, and that is a full six points behind seventh place. And if you've not been paying attention, seventh place is where the playoff line is drawn. So there's still two full matches out of the playoffs. Uh, their biggest in-season acquisition is their new president, Sam Dorr, previously of Sacramento and probably more famously from Phoenix. He was kind of uh, a bit of a social media celebrity in the USL circles when he was with Phoenix, and now he's the president of Tulsa. Uh, he came in, promptly fired uh, their head coach, Mike Neeson, and promoted the assistant, Donovan Ricketts, to the interim job, and they probably will not be making a permanent hire until the offseason. Uh, in terms of former hounds, they still got Lebo Melotto out there. He's still looking to score against his former club. Hopefully he has to keep looking just a bit longer. Uh, if you thought the hounds were, were shit on the road, have I got to tell you about Tulsa. They are 1-8-2 uh, when they're not playing on a baseball field in Oklahoma. Uh, so for a team that is improving at home, they are pretty, pretty shit on the road. Uh, last couple weeks, they've been playing a 3-4-3 formation, uh, the midfield holding more than pressing, and have been looking to attack on the counter. For an example, this past week, again, Birmingham, they were they were upper man for the last 30 minutes. Uh, but they still, um, and by that I mean Birmingham had 60% of the ball and were the more attacking side. Tulsa was more than happy to sit back and, and just absorb some pressure in that game despite being uh, up a man. Uh, if you just look, at, you go through their heat maps and some of the other uh, formation stuff, they, they are just sinking in down deep and, and hoping to bust out in the air direction. Uh, so guys, with all that said, and we'll start with you, Vesti, what, what are your initial thoughts on this Hounds-Tulsa matchup come Saturday?
Vesti, you're muted. Oh, Vesti is muted. Yak, you talk instead. All right, here we go. Um, so there are three players on Tulsa I'm going to watch out for. Um, Austin Warmel is their goalie. He's actually currently ranked the second best goalie in the league. And none of us have heard of him because, A, he did not play against, uh, against Pittsburgh back in April. And, uh, B, the Rager starting goalie was traded um, maybe two months ago. But Austin Wormel been playing pretty lights out in front of what has been absolutely an atrocious defense, ranked the second worst in the league. Um, the other two players to watch out for are J.J. Williams, who has nine goals, and Rodrigo DaCosta, who has seven goals and also leads uh, the team with 28 chances, uh, 28 key passes. Uh, both of them scored against us in April. Um, according to USL Tactics, the worst player of, out of the regulars is actually our dear friend Liba Maloto, who might be getting a little green in the ears because uh, he's not having a good year. I do not expect him to do well against us, and I actually kind of hope we attack him and uh, go uh, go for the lights-out kill against perhaps his side of the midfield, maybe. Um, I think we're going to put in a bunch. Like, this could get ugly. I hope it gets ugly, like uh, like a five-banger, truthfully. You really think we can uh, we can throw in five? Yeah, no, their defense is awful. I think we could terrorize this team apart. Um, a, a similar lineup as last, or at least in terms of a uh, uh, shape, like three forwards again, three four three, leave Forbes near the top and just just batter them with a million passes and kill them. Yeah, I five goals. Uh, Storino, are you on the same page? Is is three points the expectation for Saturday night? Absolutely. Um, I think I actually said it at the very beginning that uh, Tulsa was going to be our slip-up game early in the season, and we still squeaked by with a win. Um, I don't see this team being a threat at all. Um, yeah, I think it's just going to be a hopefully a bloodbath. I wouldn't be surprised if, I don't know, maybe five, but I could see a three Three nil win, four nil win, five would be awesome. But yeah, I see this being an easy game, and I don't see these guys making it to the playoffs. So I don't see them as a, much of a threat either. To be honest, I think the way the table sits right now is, as far as the top seven, maybe not in that order, but that's probably going to be your playoff teams. Yeah, it's looking more and more that way. Uh, I think we talked about a little bit in the last week or two that. Uh, Miami looks shaky at times. Detroit looks like they're in the beginning of what is hopefully a long downswing. Uh, but again, there's already there's already six points between uh, the playoff line and Tulsa, which is the first team out. And then it starts dropping off pretty significantly from there. Uh, again, Indy's looking pretty shit. And then you have the two teams, Hartford and Charleston, who have also been not great, except for Charleston when they play the Hounds. Uh, it's hard to imagine. Um, well, it's not that hard to imagine, but it's, it'd be unlikely that any, any team drops out of this top seven at this point, but it'd be kind of cool if one or two, two, two teams did. Uh, Vesti's saying via chat that he is, uh, he's yielding his time on, on this question about the game, so we'll, we'll respect that. And Thank you, sir. Yeah, no, not a problem. Uh, so we'll take it straight into the, the good old midweek wagering segment. 
And since we were recording on Tuesday, we um, this is kind of fun because the game we might publish this before the game's actually played, and that's exciting. Uh, again, we do have the Open Cup games on Saturday, or on Wednesday, and we do have a, a small slate of USL games. I went through the the USL schedule for my pick this week. I am going out on a little bit of a limb. Uh, Phoenix has been. Uh, we don't talk about the West standings too much, but Phoenix. Uh, well, we did talk about that in the this showcase chat there a little bit. They've been dog shit. They've been dog shit for a while. The fans are unruly. Uh, they're restless. They, they. I mean, they did a TIFO this past week, calling for the coach to get fired. Um, so it's not good times there. But uh, they are at Oakland. Oakland. They are hot and cold. As well, uh, well Phoenix isn't necessarily hot and cold, but. Oakland is hot and cold. Uh, they are due for a bit of a cold, and the price was right on this one. This was a bit where the, the number spoke to me as being worth throwing out a unit. So I took Phoenix, uh, where a draw is a no bet uh, for one unit at plus 115. Vesti, where are you at? So for the USL schedule, uh, the only thing I really liked was... San Antonio at Las Vegas for under 2.5. Um, San Antonio is a very low-scoring team, and uh, Vegas also does not let up a lot at home. So, um, you know, I, I, I always like the unders for San Antonio. And um, so I did that for one unit at minus 105. And then for the Open Cup, you know, as we mentioned earlier, I'm all in for Sacramento. So, but uh, the... I'm always a cautious better, so I'm not taking Sacramento for the straight out win. I'm taking them for the draw no bet at minus one twenty for a unit. Storino, where are you laying your money at for tomorrow night? Well, as you guys know, I don't really gamble much, but uh just went two units. Birmingham's gonna score first, one unit, uh RGV's gonna win. Short Couldn't tell you what the, the odds point. are. Yeah. <laughs> Yak, what do you got? You're oh, I see. You're, you're going. Uh, you're going open cup heavy. Double open cup. Uh, first bet for one unit. We're gonna go over two and a half goals scored at minus one hundred eight in the Sacramento Kansas City game. I cannot, in good conscience, unfortunately, bet for Sacramento. Um, doesn't mean I don't think they're gonna win. I just don't think the money's there for it. Um, as I think Vesti mentions, like uh, the odds have lend used to lean heavily for USL teams in the open cup, and now not so much. So. My other bet will be two units for a New York win in Orlando straight up plus 170. Uh, I think Orlando is not as good as their record indicates. They're also a little bit uh, fixture heavy and Red Bulls have lots of time to. Uh, well, they didn't they didn't have that many uh, games leading up to this one coming up on Wednesday. So I like Red Bulls chances here. Beautiful. Uh, with that, it's time to take this bad boy home. Uh, Storino, what are your, your final thoughts on today? Uh, have a phone charger handy if you're going to report a, record a podcast, just in case your phone's close to dying. Right, right. I had to, I had, I had to like stop what I was doing a couple hours ago to plug the uh, the iPad in to make sure we could actually record the night because I'm a responsible <laughs> podcaster. Yak. What uh, any final thoughts on on the evening? And uh, if you want to share something you learned with the class, go ahead and do that. I learned that the Dollar General next to me has Choco Tacos, which is very useful because they have just been discontinued by Klondike. Uh, so R. I'm R. going P. to go there lots this week and buy out all of them, and then 
either hoard them forever or I don't know. I didn't, sell them to somebody for 20 bucks. I didn't read uh, the article. Is, are, are they citing a reason why the Chaka Taco is going away? Is it just lagging sales? I can't say I read it either. I don't know for sure why. Hmm. So, Yak, let me ask you this. Yeah. Other than hearing that they're being discontinued, when was the last time you had a chocolate taco? Because I don't know that I remember the last time I had one, and I'm also upset at the news. It's been a long freaking time, unfortunately. It used exactly. to be my favorite ice cream at uh, the concession stand at the pool I went to when I was a kid, but I am famously not a kid, so it's been some time. <laughs> I, don't, I agree. Confession time. I don't think I've ever had one. Me either. I I know I have the same kind of memory as, as Yak. It's probably been since I was 14. So when I saw it, I was like, oh, my God, that sucks. And then I'm like, I couldn't tell you the last time I enjoyed one. <laughs> but see, the thing is, is that they're, they're made by Klondike. I've never, ever really wanted a Klondike bar. I think those are super overrated. Oh, I like Klondike's. I'd rather have a Choco Taco. My go-to ice cream is the strawberry shortcake bar with like the crunchy stuff on it. Ooh, good call. Those are pretty good. Always went with those. I was at a party a couple weeks ago where, where someone bought those and also bought um, the ones with, with like Oreo, Oreo crunch on them. But he just took all the, um, they're all individually wrapped, but there was nothing on there where they were just plain white wrappers. And they just threw all of them in in a bowl, so it was basically like Russian roulette with your ice cream bar. <laughs> um, it was a little more a little more intense than it should have been, because if your your heart set on like the Oreo Crunch bar, and all of a sudden you got the strawberry shortcake version, um, yeah, a little disappointing. Because there was also a no trades rule was was implemented to to make the stakes a little bit higher. <laughs> oh, yeah, cutthroat. Take, yeah. take your frozen treats very seriously. Hey. What can I say? You're hanging out with a bunch of competitive people. Everything becomes a dumb game. Vesti, uh, final thoughts on the night slash uh, what did you learn, if anything? Uh, if anybody cares, I got the fly. So Yay! Amy. Nice! nice. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's the only one thing I have to say. <laughs> forehand or backhand? Uh, forehand. That, that, he's getting the full, full power of my limp noodle arms. <laughs> I like it when when a story has a full arc in a podcast. It's nice, for sure. Um, wow, I don't know if I can even top that. So I don't. I don't think I want to try. Um, I just want to encourage everyone to get out to Highmark Stadium, seven p.m. against against Tulsa. That tailgate is going to kick off at four. The weather looks like it's going to be damn near perfect. So no excuses. Uh, no weather excuses for not getting out there. If that weather is nice, hopefully another good uh, walk-up crowd to see the Hounds keep this uh, keep this train of winning rolling. Um, I, I'm excited to see some goals. I'm excited to see some Mertz reaction. I'm excited to see Mertz in the handshake line with uh, with Colin. Hopefully he'll also be sure. I mean, I hope he has something up his sleeve, his shirtless sleeve um, for the return. All of you written on his. An apology written on his chest. Maybe. It'd be, it'd be, actually, I'd, I'd kind of dig it if he went that route. Um, but yeah, get there. Tailgate. We'll have beverages. I believe Maria will be there with some some Jello um, shots. It'll be good times. 
uh, yeah, let's take this bad boy home. We'd like to thank the Beautiful Game Network for providing the online hosting of Houndsy. Check out the wealth of soccer content being produced weekly at bgn.fm. The Houndsy theme music was composed and performed by Rocket Men and the Space Babies. Check them out at facebook.com slash spacebabiespgh. The show is produced by Joe Majorak. Email the show at steelarmypgh at gmail.com and put podcasts in the subject line. All complaints about the show can be sent to nick.noble at mail.wvu.edu. On behalf of Yak, Vesti, Storino, and Logan, I'm Dan Yost. This was a full house. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back again soon. Tailgate's